Well, I get to talk about God this morning. God's pretty cool. He's more than cool. He is God. He is the Elohim. He is the God who's above all. He is the El Shaddai. He's the God that is more than enough. And I wanted to talk this morning about the attributes of God. We're just going to skim over it today. And then if we feel like it, we'll dig into it a little deeper over the next few weeks. But I just love talking about how awesomely big my God is. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He is so awesome, which is why I wanted to once again talk about the attributes of God. Be still and know that I am God. <laughs> he reminds me of a guy who would have the ghetto in the 80s back in the day, the, the ghetto blaster. You guys probably kids don't even remember the ghetto blaster, probably. Cassette tapes going on. <laughs> Attributes of God are characteristics that help us try to understand who God is. We're going to go over three of them today. And the first one we're going to talk about today is that God is omnipresent. The scripture tells us, theology tells us, that God is omnipresent. Now, simply omnipresent means that God is everywhere present in the fullness of his being, all places, all the time. God is everywhere present in the fullness of his being, all places, all the time. Just think about that for a second. That's why you can't wrap your head around God. That's why we try and we, by faith, grab a hold of this stuff. But just think about what I said there for a second. Don't just tune out. Omnipresent means that God is everywhere present. Right now, he's everywhere present. But not only is he everywhere present, he's everywhere present in the fullness of his being. We can't even wrap our heads around that because we think if he's there and there, then a piece of him has to be there and a piece of him has to be there, which means there's a littler amount of him there and a little bit of him there, but that's not the fact. He's all there and all there. We can't wrap our heads around it with our finite minds. We have to try to just believe it by faith from our spirits. 1 Kings 8.27 says this, but will God indeed dwell on the earth? Question mark. Behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built. So he lives in us, the temple, in his fullness. And yet he's in the heavens in his fullness. Yet the heavens can't contain him in his fullness. He is omnipresent, but he's fully there when he's there. And he's there everywhere at the same time. It's just wild to me. Jeremiah 23, 23 to 24 says this, Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, says the Lord? So he's like everywhere all the time, and when he's there, he's all there. But he's everywhere. Wild. Psalm 139, 7-10 says this, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into the heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Psalm 139 is so awesome. You know, we use that scripture a lot about the Bible talking about how he knit us together in our mother's womb. And uh, we know the stuff going on in the States uh, the last week here. And, and, and I'm kind of shocked at even how some Christians respond to that. It's like, it should, you know, once we read the scripture, it should be obvious to us that God is about life and he's about life in the womb. And so, praise the Lord. 
That's all I got to say. I understand. I, before I became a Christian, I had different views on a lot of things. But as a believer, we just by faith believe what God wants for us and for the purpose. And, and this is his place. This is his earth. This is his heavens. Right? So one Psalm 139 says, no matter where we go, he's there. No matter where we go, he's there and in his fullness. So this allows him to interact in any place at any time. When we go, hey, God, he doesn't have to go, here I am. He's just always here. And he's always here in his fullness. And he can interact with us in his fullness. He can interact with us all places at all times in his fullness, anytime, anywhere, which is so cool to me. He can interact in multiple places simultaneously. So right now this morning, how many people are having church across North America? I don't know. But he is literally talking to all over the world, having conversations with every person. And like, you know, I can't handle two or three at a time. He handles them all in his fullness in conversation. Right now, just even this morning, the small room here right now, we're having these conversations with God and he's interacting with us personally. And he's not distracted by his conversation with the person next to you. He's fully engaged and fully here. He's so cool. It's not even like he stands up here like me and everybody's focused on me to listen. No, he's individually talking to all of you right now in his fullness. It's so cool. It's just so cool. This is so cool. He's just so cool. We cannot escape the presence of God. So I've written down here, well, how does this practically apply to us? Well, he'll never leave us or he'll never forsake us. That's literal. When he says he'll never leave us or not forsake you. It's not like he's saying to you, you know, your husband or your wife, I'll never leave you. Well, you just went to work today. You did. God's totally different that way. It's like, I'll never leave you. He literally never leaves you. We can't escape his presence everywhere we go. And he's there in his fullness, right? He's so cool. So he'll never leave me or forsake me. He lives in me and we are never, ever alone. Sometimes that feels scary when we're doing things we shouldn't do, but we, hopefully we've spent enough time dealing with the goodness of God and his, his, his desire to change us, but we're never alone. That's such a wonderful thing to understand that, that we're never, we can't escape his presence. I wonder sometimes when I want to talk to him about things with so much going on in the world, you got wars and all the politics behind the wars and you got all these things going on and tornadoes and terrorism and people dying for their faith today, for their Christian faith. And sometimes I wonder by going, hey, God, in my small little question that I want to ask him, you know, in our finite minds, we go, he's so busy and I probably shouldn't bother him right now because he's got so much more important things to talk to other people about in this world that so many crazy things are going on. But when we think like that, we're actually degrading God because God says that I can be in every place all the time, having full conversation, fully engaged with everybody without sweat. Right? And so when we go, hey, God, should I go left up here? And someone's saying, hey, God, receive my spirit. I'm about to die. We don't want to even ask our question because of somebody else. But the fact is, God wants both those questions at the same time all the time. So cool. So that's the practical side of that. We're never alone. And we wonder that sometimes. We think, is he too preoccupied? He can't be. And when we look outside in the skies and we look in the trees and we look at the flowers and we remember the scripture... He's tending to all of them. And he said, listen, consider the lily, consider the sparrow. They neither sow nor reap. And he has, takes care of the most little one of those. How much more, he says, you have little faith. And now when you hear that, how much more you have little faith, is he saying how much more you little faith that you don't believe you'll take care of me? Or is he saying how much more you little faith, do you not understand how 
big I am. That I'm in every place all the time, taking care of every need without sweat. So that's the first thing we're going to skim over today, omnipresent. Second thing is he is omniscient, which means he is all-knowing. The first one was all-present. Now omniscient means that God is all-knowing. He knows all there is to know. God is all-knowing. He knows all there is to know. There is nothing outside the scope of his conception, understanding, or attention. Hear that again. There is nothing outside the scope of his conception, understanding, or attention. Listen to this. This is because this is so cool. This is about God, how big he is. He neither studies nor learns. <laughs> he does not study. For you guys going to school all the time, you know what studying is like. He neither studies nor learns. That's why when we talk about the wisdom of God, it's so cool. Because the wisdom is the answer to the problem before it arrives. Whereas through the earth, when we're just scraping through without God, we try to like learn things and come to a conclusion. But God will tell you, like when he talks about sexuality, gender, when he talks about family, when he talks about finances, when he talks about everything, he knows the final answer because he's the designer before we ever start the process. And that's what faith is. It says, I believe what you want for me, therefore I follow that process. Because wisdom is, he knows everything. So he can have the answer before the problem even arrives. Right? So, he never leaves me, never forsakes me. He's all-knowing. He neither studies nor learns. Get this. God cannot increase in knowledge. He can't increase in knowledge. No investigation necessary. That's right. Probability does not exist with God. You know, we deal with odds and stats. Probability does not exist with God. It doesn't exist. There is no maybes with God. He knows everything in its entirety, past, present, and future. He knows it all. God is never surprised. God is never surprised by the way the world works itself out, or he's never shocked when we make a mistake. That's wild in itself. Like, we're supposed to have conviction, right? And we're supposed to have conviction when we do things against the will and the right, right things of God, right? We're supposed to have that. God builds that into us, especially when he moves into us. But he's never shocked at our mistake. And when we go through life, our finite minds, we fall and then we're like, God, you must be so disappointed. Now, the fact is he is disappointed potentially. I don't know what disappointed is the right word. He has emotion though. God can react to emotion. I mean, we see it with Moses and he's reacting with motion and the people and he's mad and he's angry and all these things, but he's never shocked. Even though he's angry, he already saw that and knew that before it happened. That's so wild to think. We're so driven by our emotions, but emotions are just part of who God is. But God wants to take us to a place where we're not driven by our emotions. He wants us to have them, but they're to be in line with his will and his purpose. That's so cool about God, right? And so God is not surprised or shocked when we make good or bad choices. Psalm 147, 4 and 5 says this. He counts the numbers of the stars. He calls them all by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding is infinite. There's, there's no, his understanding is infinite, which is so cool to me. There's a number one where he talks about that he numbers the hair on our head. And it's easy for me to do, easy for him for me. But he doesn't just say how many hairs you have on your head. He has them numbered. And so this is the, this is the amazing thing about God. And so... You're brushing your hair this morning and one falls out and God could say, exactly, exactly, exactly. That was number 47. That's awesome, right? Acts 15, 18 says this. Known to God from eternity are all 
his works. He's already known it all. The book's written. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. Now you got to think about this in, a, in, the, in the understanding of he's all knowing. Like we go, he's going to guide us into all truth and we skip along with those verses and yes, he's going to lead us to truth. But we're talking about somebody who knows everything. And he's going to lead us and guide us into that. It's so cool. He'll guide us into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever the heart he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So the spirit of God tells us things to come from the very source of someone who knows everything past, present, and future, which is so cool because when we go to make a decision in life, that's why the Bible says the peace will be our umpire. It'll be our umpire. And so we're supposed to pay attention to the word of God, his ways, his wills. But as we walk out what he says to do in his scripture, we're supposed to follow our hearts and peace will be our umpire. And we've all experienced like the, oh, I shouldn't do this. And, and, you know, some of us have gone through that past and we always regret it. And then there's sometimes, and you, you know, God doesn't expect us to necessarily pray for every step we take. We trust him that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. And then when he needs to steer and guide us, He's always there because we can't escape his presence. Hebrews 4.13 says this, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now to an unbeliever, that's a scary verse. Matter of fact, to the unbeliever, the Bible says that every single thought, if you don't know Jesus, will be judged, will be judged. Man, just that thought, just from this week alone, Jesus, I scream Jesus, right? Every thought will be judged and he knows them all and we are naked and open to his sight. He sees those crazy things going on in our heads. But with Jesus, it's all under the blood, right? Thank you, Lord. Because he loves us and that's why he did it, right? And so what's the practical side of his omniscience? He knows everything that I'm going through. That's awesome. We don't have to like explain. God knows everything that we're going through. I have trouble understanding other people many times, you know, and, and vice versa. There's things that people struggle with in life and I'm just like, I don't get it. And then there's things that I struggle with in life that I'm sure people go, I, 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 don't, I don't get it. Because we've all walked a different path in life and we've all been through different things and different things have attached to us and we've had different upbringings and we've been traumatized in different ways and, and all these different things going through life, we respond differently to things. We view things differently. We filter things differently. But it's so cool to know that God knows all of that. And so he's the best counselor. He is the best counselor. Anybody who goes to a counselor before they go to Christ? No, no. I'm not saying God doesn't send us in and walk us through counseling. But don't ever, especially the counsel of the ungodly, but everything filtered through what God is speaking to our hearts. And God can speak through people. Don't get me wrong there. He can definitely speak through people. And so I'm just saying, make sure that you walk where you're going, including to a counselor with the presence of almighty God. So he knows everything we're going through and can even sympathize with us. Can even sympathize. Talking about Jesus in Hebrews 4.15, it says this, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So, yeah, no, Jesus didn't get to that point where he's like, oh, Father, I'm so sorry I fell. But he felt everything up to the point of why we fall. He felt all those pressures, every pressure of the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life, all of the sins in life that we face, all of the pressures we face in life, Jesus felt them all up to that point. Now, he didn't fail. Thank God he didn't fail. 
Now the sacrifice, he's a perfect lamb to sacrifice for us so that we have that. But he felt it all. He understands it. Now the downside of that, not the downside really, but the side that can mess with us is he didn't fall. And and Corinthians tells us he always finds a way out. So when we do fall, we feel pretty crappy, which is we should to a certain degree, I guess. But maybe, I don't know. But it's cool that Jesus can hang with us even and know what we're feeling. Because we can't go, God, you don't know what it's like. He goes, yeah, I do. And Jesus at the cross took all the sin of the world on him. Like everything that we've been through has been pinned to him. Thank you, Lord. So he can sympathize with us. And he knows the answer to every problem. James 1, 2 through 5, I use this a lot in, around here. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... I don't know why they would say if anybody you lack wisdom, because we all do. You should just say, dudes, ask God, because you all lack wisdom. We all face problems every day where we need the wisdom. But listen to this. He gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. And I spend a lot of time on this. You've heard me preach on it before, I'm sure. But without reproach just simply means that you don't have to earn your way to get to this wisdom. No matter how bad of a week you've had, it doesn't matter what you're going through. God will accept you and give you wisdom to overflow. And we look at that, of course he's going to do that because most of the time we need, we, we need wisdom is because we're screwing our lives up and we need wisdom to get out of it. So if we're going to wait till we get better to talk to him, we're never going to fix those things because we need him to fix it. Make sense? So he sympathizes with us, but he also celebrates with us. He laughs with us. He rejoices with us. When we're excited, it's like, yeah, he wants to give us the high five, Right? That's our God. He created those emotions. He laughs. He's excited with us. He celebrates with us. He knew mistakes, the mistakes you were going to make. And then he still chose to love and call you, knowing the mistakes you were going to make. That one, I've sat on so many times in my life where I've made mistakes. And I'm like, God, do you even want to continue to use me? And he's like, I knew all those mistakes before I called you. Right? And he still called me, still chose me, still loved me. That's so cool to know that, that he stands outside. He's all-knowing. So he's all-knowing and still loves us. That's so, 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 so cool. All right, last one, and then I'm done. He's always present. He's all-knowing, and now we're going to deal with his all-powerful, which means he's omni, omnipotent. He's all-powerful. God has unlimited power to accomplish anything that can be accomplished. Unlimited. Now, this is cool. Listen to this. The things God does are neither difficult or easy. So no matter what you ask him, they're neither difficult or easy. You know, sometimes we're like, hey God, I have a big question. I have a big ask. That's a stupid thing to say because it's neither difficult or easy for God. No matter what it is, it's neither difficult nor easy for God. It's just done or not done. It's not difficult or easy. It's just done or not done. Because difficulty is a factor that is derived from a potential from not accomplishing something. That doesn't apply to God. It's either his will or not his will. It's either done or not done. It's not easy or hard. Psalm 33, 6 says this. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Light be and light was. So if you think about those questions we want to ask him or think of God, this is a tough one. Just think about creation from the very beginning. Light be, light was. Just the spoken word. It's either spoken or not. Done or not done. Boom. 
He's so cool. He's so cool. Philippians 1.6. Now, that was creation. Now, what about us? You know this verse. Be confident of this, of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Say, God's not done with me. <laughs> so what's the practical application of this? Nothing I face is too difficult if we have God. Us plus God is always the majority. Always. It is never a question of can he, but only will he or how will he? It's not can he, will he, or how will he? So to conclude today, it's pretty amazing to sit in prayer. This is what I wrote down. It's pretty amazing to sit in prayer and be talking to someone who is always present with all knowledge, who can accomplish any task he desires, who loves us unconditionally. Sometimes we just need to be still and know that he is God rather than our rat race of our minds trying to figure out everything out and stress about everything. This is who we serve. So rather than end in prayer, I'm going to take 15 or 20 seconds. We're going to have complete silence. Sometimes silence is scary. I want you just to be still and realize God is God. Let's go. Jesus.